When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment incredible sports intelligence and now here's your host tom barton all right guys are you ready to get wild it is wild card weekend here i am tom barton and this is believe in betting the believe podcast network i have to tell you guys man i am pumped up for this weekend maybe it's just because you know, it was such a topsy-turvy kind of NFL season where everybody was injured, and every week I felt like I had to worry about COVID, and every week I felt like, who's going to be the name to drop? And I, I just don't have that feeling this week. This week I feel like, you know, it's just playoffs. It's just football. It's it's none of the outside noise, none of the Antonio Brown nonsense, none of the, the, the you know, potential of this or the maybe this guy's going to be out. Oh, this guy's out. It just feels like a football weekend. I don't have massive injuries to report. I don't have massive outages to report. Uh, I don't even have massive weather to report in most of these games. So it is just a football weekend, and I do expect it to get crazy. Look, wildcard weekend has been absolutely nuts. Over the last 18 games in the wildcard weekend, 15-3 and against the spread. That is the underdog. So wildcard weekend does tend to get crazy. Last year, the underdogs went 4-2. and Um, Now we have six home teams. All home teams are favored. Tampa Bay is cruising into maybe that double-digit area. Kansas City is already in that double-digit area. Cincinnati, they're sniffing a touchdown. Um, these games are, are generally pretty close, though. I mean, it, you know, look, four of the six are a touchdown or, or less. So, you know, besides uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, you're really looking at some tight games. We could have absolute chaos. Let's start with the first game. I mentioned that Cincinnati team. Look, it opened at six and a half. For a moment, it touched seven, but it went all the way back down to about five and a half. And the big thing about the Cincinnati Bengals here is the history. And everyone's going, look, they haven't won a game since Boomer Esiason way back beat the Houston Oilers 41 to 14 back in 1991. It's the last time that Cincinnati has won a playoff game. And don't be like, well, they've been bad all along. No, under Marvin Lewis, they kind Constantly got there. They just couldn't win. But this is a new team. It's a new vibe. Everything's new here for them. As far as the Raiders go, well, they have a lot of playoff success in their history. But this year, it's a just a strange anomaly. It's a weird situation that the Raiders are even here. 
the Gruden situation, the Henry Rugg situation, multiple DUI situations. It seemed like every time Derek Carr took the microphone, he had to apologize for his teammates. It seemed like every time the special teams coach kind of put a game plan together, he had to go out there and talk about something off the field. Well, right now, the Raiders are in. They are in in a controversial way. They are in, but they are in, and they are a dangerous team. When you start to break this down, a lot of this has to do with home field advantage. Look, the NFL didn't intentionally screw the Raiders, but they screwed the Raiders here. They put them on the late game Sunday night, and now they are the first game on Saturday. So they generally lose an entire day of practice where the Cincinnati Bengals had the luxury of already clinching the division. So they were able to rest everybody, including Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow did have a knee injury the last time we saw him. I'm not as concerned about the knee injury as I am the fact that he was hit and brought down and sacked more than anybody else in the entire NFL at 51 times this year. So that is a massive problem. Going into the last weekend of the season, uh, no other quarterback uh, was even within six sacks of him. So he's been getting injured a lot. He's been getting hit a lot. And that is what the Raiders are going to try to do best here. Max Crosby is somebody that can live in the backfield. Look, you can pick apart the Raiders and the Raiders secondary, and you can run on the Raiders, but the Raiders do create problems. We watched it against Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert looked like a miracle worker on fourth down, but somehow or another they lost that game. Justin Herbert was clearly, you know, when you talk about the Chargers and the Bengals, a lot of similarities there, right? They, they have the clearly best quarterback. Oh, man, oh, talent all over the place. They have running back. The running back is fantastic. Receivers, you can't stop Keenan Allen. You can't stop Jamar Chase. You, know, you have a lot of similarities there. And then on the defensive side, it's kind of the same thing. You got one guy, Bosa on one side. You know, the Bengals, they can stop the run. You got one thing that they, that they can do. So why should the Raiders be in this game? Well, they were able to beat the Chargers. They were able to go out and upend a lot of teams that, yeah, they shouldn't have upended. The thing that I think that Cincinnati has to do is try to run the ball, and that right now could be an issue. I like Joe Mixon, uh, you know, on the field. I think he is somebody that can make things happen. But I was astonished when I started to read into his stats. He only has three rushing games this year of 100 yards. One came in week one, so, I mean, do we even talk about that? The other came against, well, this Raiders team. But since November 28th, he hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game. As a matter of fact, he hasn't gone over 65 yards, you prop players out there. So that's something to pay attention to. I think Joe Mixon is a good player. I think they need to get rushing yards from him. I think they need to lean on him. But the problem is, I don't know if they can. And on the other side, I think the run game is everything. Like I said, Cincinnati's a top five rushing defense against him. Josh Jacobs has been the backbone of this team over the last month or so. They're going to have to get some kind of production out of him. I don't know if you could do that against this Cincinnati front. And that could be a serious problem. New England, Buffalo, well, here we go, number three. Do we count number one, though? And that really is the, the question here. Look, the number two game, we understand. What happened in that game? Well, in that game, the Buffalo Bills just went out and just performed fantastically. 33 points they put up on this defense. They won 33-21 in the game. That really wasn't even that close. They completely took Buffalo, uh, did out of New England's running game. They made Mac Jones actually throw the ball. So everybody's kind of leaning on that one game. Okay, well, that one game on a Monday night game where the wins were ridiculous, Mac Jones threw the ball three times. I don't know how much credence we could put into that game. The history is certainly there. And the history is just astronomical because the Pats are 19-3 and straight up in the last 22 games at Buffalo. They own this team. Belichick owns this team. Josh Allen hasn't looked great against this team. But you still have to look at certain aspects of this game. And this game was, okay, in week one, Damian Harris 
absolutely torched this team. He rushed for 111 yards on just 10 carries. Then he went down, and Stevenson came in, and he filled in okay. 78 yards on 24 carries. But if you're talking about 78 yards on 24 carries, uh, the Buffalo Bills will take that all day, every day. In a game where they absolutely just dominated, did the Patriots, in a game where afterwards reporters asked the Buffalo Bills, were you embarrassed on defense by giving up only two touchdowns, yeah, you know, the formula was there, but it was more Harris than Stevenson. And we saw that again in week 16. Even though the New England Patriots had to go to a throw mode, Harris still rushed the ball for 103 yards, three touchdowns, and he only touched the ball 18 times. So Harris is the X factor here because the Buffalo Bills defense, they are fantastic. Against the run, they only allow 4.2 yards per carry. That's 10th overall in the league. 109.8 yards per game. That is 13th in the league. So you can run on them a little. Who has had massive success and skewed that basically outside of the top 10? Well, who skewed that outside the top 10 for Buffalo? Jonathan Taylor. Derrick Henry, and that New England game where they put up 200 yards in a ridiculous windstorm. Take that out. You're talking about maybe a top five defense in both of those respects on the running side. Well, you can't pass on them. They are the number one pass defense in the NFL. They allowed a league low average in yards per attempt, a league low average in yards per game. They are the best passing defense in the NFL. The second best defense in the NFL is the Patriots. And in a lot of metrics, they are number one overall. So you start to see a little bit of similarities. The New England Patriots know we can run the ball. We aren't sure if we can throw the ball. And that really is the mirror image if you flip it around and kind of do the 180 of what the Buffalo Bills are. We know we can throw the ball. We don't know if we can run the ball. Now, Devin Singletary has looked pretty good here. The one thing I will say about this and why I lean Buffalo, I don't like giving the points to Bill Belichick in a playoff game. I don't like giving more than three points specifically to any division uh, rival in a playoff game. I don't like it at all. But if I had to lean something here, I'm leaning Buffalo strictly because even though everything went wrong for them, Dawson Knox dropped an easy touchdown, dropped a two or three first downs. You look at Stephon Diggs dropped a couple of first downs and an easy touchdown in that game. They were asked if they were embarrassed. They were run on by 200 for 200 yards. Everything went wrong for the Buffalo Bills in game one. They still had a chance with the ball with seconds to go to win that game. Game two, it wasn't close. So Buffalo's the better team. I just hate laying points. I do believe that Orchard Park is going to be freezing, but the weather is uh, kind of in the favor of the Patriots, if anything, but freezing cold weather. Remember, Josh Allen played in Wyoming, so I'm not worried about him. Um, the crowd's going to be absolutely insane. The atmosphere is going to be great. This is one of those sit down and watch the game as opposed to kind of going out there and making a bet on the game for me. All right, let's move over to Sunday. Tampa, Philly. I have been all down on this Philly team all year long, and I am not changing here. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer at quarterback. I don't think Nick Sirianni is the answer at coach. I don't think the running game is overly effective unless you just pound it like a, like a New England kind of attack. And now you're going up against this Bucks team. They had some trouble over the course of the last month or so when they were missing people. And I know Levante David went down and whatnot, and they were allowing 4.6 yards per carry four out of the six games. But they fixed that. And overall, Tampa Bay might be the best team in the NFL uh, at defending the run. Now, I know statistically they're right real close. I think that they are the best. The Bucs also are fantastic at home. They were perfect at home this year with only one exception. And last year, kind of the same thing. They're actually 10-2 and two against the spread the last 12 home games. They dominate at home. The Bucs have also learned under Tom Brady when to turn things up. They've won seven straight games in January, so they play their best at the end. You also look at the idea 
they're getting healthier. Leonard Fournette will be in here. Mike Evans was in here. People are kind of coming back into the fray here. So now you start to turn around and you look at, okay, what, uh, you know, can the Eagles do? Well, there's going to be 20 to 25 mile per hour winds in Tampa. The total has fallen down to 47. The Eagles can run. At least they think they can. And I think that this is the difference here. The one thing that you can do against the Bucs is pass the ball. But the Eagles don't have any confidence in Jalen Hurts trying to outsling Tom Brady. And why should they? So they're going to force the run. But the Bucs are really good on the run. And now with 20-mile-per-hour wins, they're going to be laughing at Jalen Hurts. We are daring you. We're begging you to try to throw the ball here. I just don't think that he's going to be able to get it done. You'll also talk about the Eagles' D-line. They are 31st in sacks. They get to the quarterback, but they don't tackle him because they are 11th in hurries. So they get to him, they put pressure, but they don't tackle him. They don't get sacks. Well, why don't they get sacks? Because people like Tom Brady can get hurried, but he moves in the pocket. An interesting note is they are 31st in the NFL against a blitz. Now, Brady loves to pick apart a blitz, but he's good even when he's not up against a blitz, so I'm not overly concerned here. I think that this is a little inflated line because the Bucs haven't been playing well at the end of the year. Uh, Philadelphia could get something rolling on the ground. Uh, it's very potential. But this has one of those feelings of a game to me that either the Eagles come out, they punch Tampa Bay in the face, they expose that run defense. It looks like it had, you know, a couple of times late in the year and everything goes wrong for Tampa from the start and Tampa's playing just in, in a bad catch-up mode and a bad play from behind and we're all shocked and stunned at what we're witnessing. Or the more likely scenario is Tampa Bay just comes in here, takes care of business. They flip that switch. They go, okay, this is playoff Tom, playoff Rob uh, Gronkowski, playoff Evans, playoff Arians, playoff everybody. And Philadelphia is kind of just a deer in the headlights. I think that Bruce Arians is a very good coach, but I think he's massively better than Nick Sirianni. I think that you look at Jalen Hurts, he's a backup quarterback to me. And compare him to Tom Brady, the two biggest positions on the field. Look, we could talk about offensive line. We could talk about the defensive uh, alignment sets that I just talked about, getting pressure. We could talk about the running game. We could talk about it all. At the end of the day, the two biggest positions on the field are head coach and quarterback. I don't know if there is a bigger disparity uh, disparity in, in the entire NFL right now uh, than Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady, and I'm not sure that there is, a, with all the fired coaches, a bigger difference between Bruce Arians and Nick Sirianni. So you give me the much better, much better, much better quarterback and the much better head coach, I got to roll with Tampa Bay. San Francisco and Dallas. Well, San Francisco's the team nobody wants to play. Really? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they are, they look, they have some matchup problems. Of course, George Kittle's a matchup problem. Debo Samuel still amazes me at the things he does. But we know what Shanahan wants to do. And he does have a quarterback back there. He's got some experience, but he's not going to scare you, right? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't scare you. He can make some plays, but he doesn't frighten anybody out there. Defensively, San Francisco can be passed on. You know you, you're going to take a couple of sacks with Bosa and company, but you can pass on this team. So this all comes down to Dak Prescott to me. Look, they look bad against Arizona. Dak Prescott was in a slump for part of the year, and that's what they were calling it a slump. We know that when the Dallas Cowboys rush the ball for more, more times than they pass the ball, they win. They just flat out don't lose. So we know that that's going for them. But the big thing is the deep pass here. C.D. Lamb has been underutilized the entire season. I've been screaming for it all year long. Dak Prescott's got to get the ball deep to C.D. Lamb to open everything up. Now, Pollard's going to play, but he's not 100%. Zeke looked like he hit a wall at times this season, so I don't know what he's going to have in him. They do have a fantastic offensive line. They have the better weapons. Look, Dallas is more talented here. 
everyone seems to like San Francisco. Everyone's going on San Fran. Look, they are 12 and five against the spread the last 17 games as an underdog. Everyone seems to like San Francisco. The under is actually seven and one when they are an underdog. I get the love for San Francisco, but guys, I think Dallas is the more talented team. They clearly have the better quarterback, even though they do lose in the coaching area. I do like the idea that the assistant coaches are being so well-regarded. So maybe if McCarthy could kind of take a step back, let Kellen Moore run this thing, Dallas is moving on. Let's talk about Pittsburgh, Kansas City, biggest spread of the week, and this one is rising. You might be able to get 14 when all is said and done. It's 13, total is 46 here. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, people talking about him throwing too many interceptions. Well, he only threw one more interception this year and 78 more passing attempts than he did in 2018. So Patrick Mahomes is perfectly fine. I'm not worried about him. And I don't look at this team and go, okay, you know what? I'm going back and looking at what we just witnessed because I think Najee Harris is going to be the difference here. He is a guy that you've got to get going. On the other side, you can run on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just to give you an idea how bad Pittsburgh was, last uh, over the past year, the Chargers, for most of the year, almost the entire year, were the worst rushing against defense in the NFL. They were allowing about 165 yards on the ground per game, 162, 163, right around there. Uh, and they were a good 10 yards better than everyone else, or worse, uh, should be the case, than everyone else. Well, since week eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers were allowing 175-plus yards per game. You can run on them. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire is banged up. Williams is, uh, you know, an uninspiring option. Gore is perfectly fine as kind of a backup guy. You can't really take advantage of what Pittsburgh can be taken advantage of. And then you have the question, will Andy Reid take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands in a playoff spot at home? You know, you want to run the ball because you know what is successful against Pittsburgh, but it doesn't make any sense for you to run the ball if you're Kansas City. Well, that might get them in some trouble because Najee Harris is a guy that will drain the clock. You don't need Big Ben to make many plays. I mean, look, he only threw for 159 yards in a come-from-behind mode against you in the last time. You don't need Big Ben to make any many plays. But Najee Harris can and will, and Watt can and will. I don't think Kansas City is in any danger of losing this game, but I think 13 is a little bit rich, and I'm looking at the 46. You know, this is a spot where I, I'm really kind of utilizing my, my double sense here. I think if you... Take Pittsburgh plus 13 and over 46, you're going to be pretty safe. Look, there, there are three outcomes here. There are Kansas City blow the doors off of Pittsburgh, which means Kansas City is going to score, what, 30, 35 points on their own, maybe 40 points on their own, and they absolutely destroy Pittsburgh, and it's not even a contest, and, and you're going to get the over there. Pittsburgh plays really well, really tight. It's close, but even the most optimistic Steelers fan can't sit back and think, that you're going to hold Kansas City to anything under, like, what, 24 points? So if you're playing close and you're playing tight, 27, 24, you're still getting your over. The only you know, bad situation, if you take the over in Pittsburgh here, is that Pittsburgh's offense flat out doesn't show up. Now, can that happen? Sure. But I think Kansas City's defense is a little overrated. You go look at the quarterbacks that they played and who they played over the course of the year. It's not as uh, just beautiful as everybody kind of wants to make it out to seem. To me, the over is the play if you're playing with Pittsburgh here. Expect Pittsburgh to say, oh, look, if you give me 14, 17 points, uh, Steelers, it, you know, we're going to get this over, and you got a shot for the double win. I think Kansas City's moving on, but Steelers, 19-7-1 against the spread the last 27 games as, a, as an underdog. Everyone counting them out. Good defense, I like in the playoffs. Good running game, I like in the playoffs. Good coach, I like in the playoffs. They got a shot. 
All right, let's go to the first ever Monday night football wildcard game. And you got the Rams in Arizona. Rams are about three and a half, four point favorite. And this, to me, look, we could go back and forth. The Rams lost the first game. The Rams won the second game. Uh, there was different parts of each one of those games that looked good. The Cardinals at times this season looked fantastic. At times this season, they got to a 7-0 start. And then they fell apart at the end, but they did beat Dallas. The Rams, well, they were they looked great. Yeah, they were also 1-5 against playoff teams. They did not look good against playoff teams. Why? Because Matthew Stafford can't beat playoff teams. Now, the only playoff team he did beat was this Cardinals team, of course, but they cannot go out there and consistently beat playoff teams. So you start to look at the Rams and you start to get into a, a position where they are the better team. They are definitely better coached. And that is a massive, massive uh, side to the Los Angeles Rams in this case. But there's one thing that I can't get out of my head with this game, and that's Kyler Murray's ability to just be the best player on the field. Matthew Stafford has struggled in big spots. Matthew Stafford has struggled in playoff games. Matthew Stafford has struggled in potential playoff games. He struggled against good teams. Matthew Stafford struggles, okay? The Rams also are banged up. They are so banged up that Eric Weddle unretired to go to the Rams. Now, they lost Jordan Fuller, who called the defensive plays, and they're trying to give that to Jalen Ramsey, who, let's be honest, hasn't exactly been the Mr. Teammate, Mr. Team Leader. So... You are missing three defensive backs in a game where the only chance Arizona has is to come at you with their best player, and that is Kyler Murray. This is where I'm torn because I think the Rams are the better team. I think the Rams are better coached. I think the Rams have the better defense. I think the Rams have the better running game. Everything points to the Rams being at home. Why not lay the four? Well, because Kyler Murray is such an X factor and he's going up against a defense that is such a problem here and they're having such problems that I have to say to myself, you know what? It's not as easy as it seems on paper. I think we are definitely going to have some underdogs we are definitely going to, I don't think the 15 and three kind of percentages keep up, but we're definitely going to have some underdogs. We're definitely going to have some upsets here. I'd be very careful about jumping at your first instinct. Start looking the game within the game this week. And I think there's a lot of pitfalls that can be had going into each one of these games and especially into that Monday night game. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I, I got to tell you, I am pumped up for this week and I really am. Don't always just assume that everyone's going to kind of move on i hear people already talking about the next round who's going to be up against tennessee what that's going to be up against green bay uh look enjoy this weekend for what it is it's three days of football three days of football to see who advances three days of football that we can make money don't go crazy and do remember that stat that underdogs in the wild card round have historically absolutely dominated against the spread all right guys i'll talk to you next week have a good one everybody believe in betting When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.